1: But the one thing that we don't want to do is get to the point where I know that my way is the only way, and every other way is wrong. What's right is that the body is being built up and strengthened, encouraged in the Word, encouraged in their their love for the Lord, and in their walk in the Lord, and that Christ is the central figure, not a personality, not not an event, nothing else. But Christ, keeping our eyes on Him.
0: God desires that there be order in the church, and that's why Paul addressed spiritual gifts. Today, Pastor David explains that it's not about authority or power or strict guidelines. Rather, the purpose of instruction on the use of spiritual gifts is to get everybody on the same track towards Jesus Christ. Remember, the blessings of God are meant to bring Him glory. If spiritual gifts bring attention to an individual rather than point people to God, they are out of order and need a spiritual adjustment. Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message entitled, Order in the Church.
1: Tom Stipe is the pastor at Calvary Chapel in Denver, Colorado. He's been there for years and years. He's one of the early guys that, uh, again, uh, went up there, and God blessed his work up there. The church grew phenomenally, and again, there was just a great, great work of God. Tom got caught up into the, the, the Signs and Wonders movement of the uh, of the Vineyard movement for a few years in in his life and in the ministry, he kind of brought the church into that, and for a couple of years they were there. Until he realized all the damage that it had done to him personally, as well as to his fellowship. David Guzik, in his commentary on First uh, Corinthians, quotes Tom's foreword to a, a book called Counterfeit. Revival, Counterfeit Revival. It's the name of the book, and it's a great book. Tom wrote the forward there, and in that forward, listen to what Tom says about this whole idea of the movement of these signs and wonders, particularly as they get out of balance from God's Word. Tom writes After only a couple of years, the prophets seem to be speaking to just about everyone on just about everything. Hundreds of members received the gift of prophecy and began plying their trade among both leaders and parishioners. People began carrying around little notebooks filled with predictions that had been delivered to them by the prophets and the seers. They, they flocked to the prophecy conferences that had begun to spring up everywhere the notebook crowd would rush forward in hopes of being selected to receive more prophecies and to add to their predictive diaries, or their prophetic diaries. Not long after prophecy du jour, the prophecy of the day, became the primary source of direction, a trail of devastated believers began to line up outside our pastoral counseling offices. Young people were promised teen success and stardom through prophecy after left picking up, or they were left picking up the pieces of their shattered hopes because God had apparently gone back on his promise. Leaders were deluged by, deluged by angry church members who had received prophecies about the great ministries they would have. But they've been frustrated by local church leaders who failed to recognize and to facilitate their new anointing. After a steady diet of the prophetic, some people were rapidly becoming biblically illiterate, choosing a dial a prophet style of Christian living rather than studying God's word. Many were left to continually live from one prophetic fix to the next. Their hope always in danger of failing because God's voice was so specific in pronouncement and yet so elusive in fulfillment. Possessing a prophet's phone number was like having a storehouse of treasured guidance. Little clutched notebooks replaced Bibles as the the preferred reading material during church services. The church can get so out of balance wanting to do the right thing. Beloved, the further and further away we get from this, the more and more deceived and the more able we are to be deceived. We've got to get back into the word of God testing all things, proving all things. Now, some might hear that teaching that I'm giving right now. They might say, man, you are really limiting the move of the Holy Spirit. Hogwash. That's my word for that, okay? Paul tells us right here, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. There's some churches, even in this town, even 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 in knowing what I know, even what I know of the Word of God, even what I've experienced uh, with a, a multitude of diversity in, in different churches and, and the body of Christ. There's some churches here in, in town that I wouldn't walk into because I feel, I feel that they are filled with chaos and spiritual pride. It's not truly a focus on God's word and the edification of the saints within the word of God to strengthen them. In my mind, I I wonder what the uninitiated, what the uninformed, what the non-believer would feel feel in in their own mind if they went into some of these services. I think it might be like what Paul says. You guys are out of your mind. You guys are nuts. (laughs) I'm not going to go in here. In these situations, it's not... It's not really clear teaching from the Word of God. There's a tremendous amount of hype. There's a tremendous amount of emotion. But nothing that edifies or strengthens uh, the individual or their walk in Christ. Charles Spurgeon said this, Spiritual self-indulgence is a monstrous evil, and yet we see it all around. Excitement? Yeah. Emotion? I'm for that. Enthusiasm, I think that we need to have that in our walk in Christ. All of those things I think are good. I think that they're beneficial in our walk in Christ and and they have their time, they have their place. But if it's whenever we come together, every time the body gathers, each one of you, in other words, every one of us going our own direction, And I believe it's definitely not done for edification. It's done for hype and simply for the, I'm going to say emotional high, but you understand what they feel is a spiritual high, but in reality, it's an emotional high. It's a fix that they're getting, and it's very self-centered. Our God is a God of order and not of confusion. Okay, verse 34. After tackling tongues and the misuses within the church, Paul really ramps it up now. And he takes on women. Okay. As I've shared with you before, fools jump in where wise men fear to tread. So here I go. Okay, Paul has a knack for saying so little and yet stirring up so much. Okay, But there is great wisdom. There's under- and if we understand what Paul is saying about the next few verses, it's solid, solid stuff. What does he say here? Verse 34. He's let your women keep silent in the church. Period. Amen. Move on. No. He says, for they are not permitted to, what does the word say in in your version? Speak. Speak. Okay. Bear that in mind. But they are to be, what what does your version say? Submissive. Submissive. But they are to be submissive as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Can I tell you right now that as much misusage as there is in the gift of tongues, there's that much misusage in this verse here also? Women, just hush, okay? No, that's not what he's saying. That is not what he's saying. Again, we, we see these abuses from individuals as well as churches all, all through the years. Without a knowledge uh, or a thought of the time or the culture that the word is written, we can really mess up our interpretation just about anywhere within the word of God and particularly in this kind of an application. The culture of Corinth and of the first century, can, can you understand that it was totally different than ours? Totally different. The placement of the women even in the synagogues, was different than today. I look out over here, and you women are sitting next to these men, and you're distracting them because they can't even pay attention to the word because the women are sitting right next to them. What a horrible thing. Next week, women, you're going to be over on this side, and men, you're going to be on this side, so you can focus on them. Well, that's what it was in in the first century. In the first century, particularly in the synagogues, the women would either be along the outside edges, or they would be in the far back, or they would be up on a second-story platform of the synagogues, depending upon how big the synagogues were. When the church came about, the church pretty much, again with its Jewish roots, kind of carried along that same kind of mentality, that same kind of understanding. Even though Christianity brought women the greatest freedom that they had ever experienced, Within the worship time, it was still kind of that same mentality of a division of the men from the women. We we still have that in a lot of churches today. There's churches even today all across our country that again the men sit on one side, the women sit on another. For that very thing. Oh no, I I need to be you know straight ahead. I need to be focused. I can't be sitting with my girlfriend because uh, that's going to really mess me up. Can't be sitting with my wife because then she's going to be complaining about something that I did. Can't sit with my husband because he's going to be do- whatever. So they. Divided them all up. We're in a different culture today. What was happening then at that point in time, again, the, the, the instruction that was given. Hey, the, the women wanted to learn. They wanted to understand too. And man, if, if I'm s- sitting here and my wife's just a row or two over and the pastor, the teacher declares something that my wife doesn't quite understand, Why, well, David? what did he mean by that? What did he mean by that? Well, he's saying this, and so you got this going on all over during the time of the service. Alan Redpath points out that Paul uses a Greek word, laleo. Laleo simply means to talk, to question, to argue, not that husbands and wives would ever argue, profess, or to chatter. And again, writings from this period speak, again, of a lot of noise and a lot of disturbance as the women would speak out during the services either to each other as they tried to follow along with the teaching or they would ask their husbands even during the teaching times. If you ever went into a synagogue, synagogues by and large can be a very noisy place. Okay, There's a lot of discussion, a lot of things that are going on, even among the men. Now, you throw the women then from the outskirts in, and they're talking. You can just imagine the chaos and the point in that time. Well, even with the freedoms that women found in Christianity, as compared to the Greek or the Roman or the Jewish culture, there were still limitations of what they had there in the first century church. Particularly if they had this zeal to to learn they, they, they would literally be causing a bit of chaos in pretty much an already chaotic situation. Now, remember what's going on in Corinth at that point in time. They come together, and everybody's got a psalm. Everybody has a teaching. Everybody has a tongue. Everybody has a revelation. Everybody has an interpretation. All of this is going on, and at the same time, the women on the outskirts, they're talking and saying, well, what did he mean by this? Hey, did you hear about this? Well, what about this part? And so all of this chaos, and so Paul says, hey, ladies, just be quiet if you want to find out what we've been talking to the men, ask them when you get at home. Don't do it it during the service. Now, the interesting thing about this, it wasn't that the women had no place in the church. Because Paul had already, and he will in other writings, speak about, guess what? Women teaching. Oh, yeah, and, and, and women prophesying. So he's not saying that the women... You know, have to be silent. Paul uses that word of all, in essence, cross talking. That this chatter that's going on, and when you look at it and you understand that, and you understand also that elsewhere Paul is saying, "Hey, ladies, if you're going to prophesy, make sure your head's covered," and these other things, and these other directions of women teaching and different things. He's not counting out women teaching, and women even you know, having conversations in church, it deals with, again, the chaos that was going on within the times of worship there in Corinth. And then Paul, again, he chastises the Corinthians by asking them a very direct question, verse 36. He says, or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it to you only that it's reached? You need to understand that statement is directed to the leadership of Corinth. Paul is the one that brought the word of the gospel to the people in Corinth. Others had also taught them, but Paul was the spiritual father to them. And so here he comes in. He's giving them challenges. He's giving them instruction. He's bringing them correction. And he says, hey, did the word of God originally come from you? I don't think so. Was it only to you that it reached? No, there's other churches too. But you guys are really out of order. Here he's challenging them in whatever disagreement they might have with him in his directions to the church and in their form of worship. That's why he ends it up in verse 37. He says, if anybody thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But you know what? If any of you is ignorant, then just be ignorant. I love what he says. If you're going to be stupid, just be stupid, okay? If if, if you're not going to agree with these things, that's fine. But I know that some of you who are spiritual will understand that what I'm saying is from the Lord, and it brings about, again, order within the church and not chaos. It brings about a love and a respect for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but not an abuse of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It brings about a desire, an encouragement for the people to desire the things of the Spirit but not pursue so much after that that they're pulled away from the word of God and from the truth that they know from the teachings of Paul and from the other apostles. He says at the very end, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. Don't forbid to speak in tongues, but let all things be done decently and in order. What does decently in order look like to you? Tell you what, we could go across the room and with the different church backgrounds, decently and in order would look different to many of you we've we 've had people come to our fellowship. Uh, who have been believers for for years and years, gone to other churches years and years, and they walk in here and say, wow, you guys are like over the top because you like clap your hands and you raise your hands during worship. I, I, Man, I don't know if I can handle that. That's like way over the top for me. And other people that come in and said, man, you guys are like so you know, flatlined here, you know, there's like, you're you acting almost like Baptist or something, you know, you, uh, or Presbyterian, I'll use that when my son's one of those, you know, the frozen chosen. <laughs> I apologize to my son. What does decently in order look like? Decently and in order maintains our focus on the reason we're here. The reason we're here is to give glory and honor to Christ and to edify and to build up the body of Christ. There are some true, man. They're, they're, man they love the Lord. There, there's, there's, there's no malice. There's uh, no, you know, uh, evil within them other than just the reality of sinful creation that we are, but they love the Lord and they desire the Lord, but they, they would never raise their hands in church. I draw too much attention to myself. I don't, I, I don't want to draw attention to myself. I'm not going to clap. My goodness, that, that's so distracting. And then there's others that, man, during the preaching of the teaching of the word, amen, amen, right on, yes, preach it, preach it. And believe me, as a preacher, that's like saying sick them to a dog. You know, you just want to, man, you want to keep going at that point in time, okay? We might not ever get out of here. But again, it's different in different backgrounds and different people. But the one thing that we don't want to do is get to the point where I know that my way is the only way and every other way is wrong. What's right is that the body is being built up and strengthened, encouraged in the word, encouraged in their in their love for the Lord and in their walk in the Lord and that Christ is the central figure not a personality, not a not an event, nothing else but Christ, keeping our eyes on him. Is there abuses in the church? Yeah. I've been a pastor long enough. I've been a pastor now. I've been a senior pastor. I've been in ministry for over 40 years. Okay. I've been a senior pastor. This is my this is the only place I've ever seen your pastor, so you guys were stuck through the training wheel session, you know, times. And when I want to tell you, there's, there's been abuses here. There's been times that I've done the wrong thing. Leadership has done the wrong thing. I've said the wrong thing to the wrong person at the wrong time because I wasn't walking in the spirit. I was in the flesh that day. Other situations, uh, teachers, other ones here, yeah, we've had stuff. But you know what? Our overall desire is that, man, when we blow it, we confess it, we get it right with the Lord. We get it right with the people. And likewise among each other. As we minister to each other. The reason why you have pastors and leadership is that, as what Ephesians chapter 4 says. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So we all minister together. And God will and does and promises that he will gift you. To be a usable portion of the body of believers that you're involved in. And whatever that gift might be. And again, I don't think you need a little card that says, hey, this is my gift. I think what you need to do is just come in anytime we come together. And unless you absolutely need desperately, man, I, I, I've just been beaten up today and, and I, I need to be ministered. But there's others of you that can come in and say, look around and says, man, Maybe the Lord wants me to talk to him today, or maybe she needs encouragement tonight. Hey, how are you doing? Can I pray with you? Is there anything I can, man, maybe you might be that word of encouragement. Maybe you might be that hand of mercy. You might be that gift of faith that somebody else needs in their life. Because you know what? That's why we're all together. That's why you are not the church on your own. You are not the church on your own. Let me tell you this one more time. You are not the church on your own. The church is the assembly, the ecclesia, the assembly, the coming together. Whether it be a small church or a large church, it's where two or more are gathered, okay? That, you know, we become. And again, we minister to each other as God gifts us for it.
0: As we conclude our time here today on The Open Word, we'd like to thank you for listening. We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 1 Corinthians have touched your life, and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us again on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details
1: on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at... TheOpenWord.com Simply click on the Teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take The Open Word with you on the go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical-based teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at TheOpenWord.com be
0: sure to click on About for information about the ministry of The Open Word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is theopenword.com. That's all the time we have for today here on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope that you have a blessed day.